to your mother It's time for another episode of Birds with Friends Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season To see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese It's Philadelphia, Bowen, Sheila, and the cut kicking it cooler than two penguins Till Bo's old arch nemesis Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends the early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends. Bo Wolf and are coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings. Birds Zach Berman. Zach, how are you? Probably how Mike Grove felt when he was going to that first press conference and all the questions <laughs> were about how great a coordinator Frank Reich was. Um, that is as buttering up as you could possibly get. No, I, I look forward to talking about the Eagles, too. But, uh... <laughs> okay, this is the wrong <laughs> podcast for you. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome. To Birds with Friends, Bo Wolf, Sheila Kapadia, Zach Berman, each from our respective bunkers. And uh, are we, are we like, what is the point of talking about the Philadelphia Eagles today, guys? I guess there's news. Oh, is this where we chime in? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Do you guys have that thing where, like, are your knuckles super raw from all the hand washing you've been doing? You know, you have to. I just... Uh, Mention this to somebody that you need to sanitize and then moisturize, sanitize and moisturize. Mm. So when you get the sanitizer, make sure you get the travel size uh, gold bonds and uh, do work. Maybe get a little. My my wife showed me this working hands. I think like like nurses use this or okay. I don't know. Pe- people who are have experts in sort of this uh, industry, you throw that bad boy on before you go to bed. Uh, your hands, you, you wake up feeling great. I like that. My I mean, my knuckles are. An ugly sight to see these days. Well, got to take care of those bad boys. <laughs> yeah, be safe. So. How you doing, Zach? Doing well. Excited for the podcast. What about the markets? <laughs> Look, there's there's a lot more serious things right now. Uh, <laughs> I know that's but, right. Um, now, nah, doing well. But it's it's good. I mean, there are more serious things, but it's good that somebody's keeping an eye on protecting the cruise line industry. That's the most important thing that's going on, right? <laughs> uh, look, free agency begins a week from now. There's, Who cares? There's, uh, <laughs> well, I, I would imagine our <laughs> listeners care, right? There's, eh, if maybe. you're sitting at home, you probably need a distraction. Or if you're yeah, working from home, maybe you sneak the TV on in the background or you have have uh, your social media feed on in the background. So we can still provide a purpose. Okay, I think that's fair. And let's get to uh, the, uh, the latest Eagles news. Uh, the Eagles have pulled their coaches from the pro day circuit because of coronavirus. Not exactly. <laughs> Not, Not totally. exactly? Isn't Not that- exactly, no. No, that's well, well. Well, that's what the Yahoo report was. From what I understand, it's a little more complex than that. Um, there are a few factors here. First off, the scouts are still on the road. Okay, so the scouts are there. The coaches are being held back. Uh, it, it's it's a new coaching staff. So, from my understanding, part of it is uh, prepping for free agency, the introduction of schemes. Now, obviously, you you can't ignore the reality of of coronavirus and the traveling, um, I, I don't know if we'll call it risks or, or I, yeah, I suppose the, the yeah, risks so. in, in, in being in crowded places. But um, uh, from my understanding, it's not as simplistic as they're just pulling people off the road because the scouts are, are, are still there. Mm. Essential person. And if you want to know about the life of a scout, if you want to know the life of a scout, check out Bo Wolf's story. Never heard of the guy. That's like, uh, that's like, uh, Rachel texted me today, uh, the World Health Organization, uh, or she, you know, WHO uh, declared it's a pandemic. And I said, who? And she said, the World Health Organization. Yeah. I said, who? Oh, Pretty you know, yes. good little, little uh, Abbott and Costello routine as the world burns, right? You should do one of those with, uh, with Naya. She, she, loves, uh, she loves those routines. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so you don't think that that's a big deal, Zach? You're not worried about this. I mean, can we? What? What? Like, what's free agency going to look like? Well, I think free next, agency will go on business as usual, right? Yeah, I mean, the next week is going to be very interesting because the players vote. What is it? Saturday, Zach? You probably have all these dates down. Yeah, right? it, it got extended the Saturday, correct? Yeah, I so, the, so right. the players yes. they're voting on the new CBA that got pushed back. The franchise tag deadline has now gotten pushed back twice because that needs to come really after the players vote because you know this is getting into the details that might bore people but basically if there is new no new cba teams can use both the franchise tag 
and the transition tag. Uh, so that would affect teams like the Cowboys with Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. That would affect teams like the Titans with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Under normal circumstances, you can only use one of those. And so if, if the CBA were to uh, they vote on yes, passing the new CBA, then it goes back to you can only use one of those. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And then Monday starts the negotiating period. And then Wednesday is the start of free agency. So that's all scheduled to go on uh, as usual. Although, you know, you got to monitor these things day by day. I guess something could potentially change. And I don't think that's the type of thing that, yeah, that's true. Each year that you you hear that joke. Um, I I don't think free agency is the, the type of thing that would be majorly affected or notably affected um, by the health concerns going on right now. Uh, you could potentially look at, at, the, at the league meetings at the end of the month, the NFL draft next month, uh, things of that nature where you have, have large crowds. But free agency, um, except for in-person visits and signings and physicals, a yeah, lot of that is, is just done over the phone and whatnot. I mean, the truth is those like those in-person visits are are um, not like decision uh, exactly points for like the like the guys at the top of the market. It's for like the Justin Farguses of the world. Wow! And <laughs> that's yeah. my favorite. That's one of my favorite press conferences in Eagles history. The Eagles brought in Justin Fargus for a visit. He gave a press conference, and then he just sort of slunked away and never signed. <laughs> yeah, the Eagles used to do press conferences on the visits. Yeah. They uh, they don't do that anymore. No, the 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 physicals are important, but um, I mean that that there's not a crowd of a thousand people at a physical. Obviously, can I speaking of the physicals are important? Can I can I? I don't think I uh, accurately uh, at any point complained about this during the combine, but like the idea that um, oh good the like the most important thing about the combine is is the physicals, and then like the and then it's the meetings, and then the testing doesn't really matter. Like the testing is really important. Yes, everything's that's important. All. That's, yeah, that's, that's, all. that's gone too far the other it's, way. It's one of my, yeah, it, was, a, it drives me nuts. Yeah, before it was, hey, the testing, you know, that gets all the headlines and then, you know, kind of the, the media types would try to flex their muscles. No, 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 let me tell you what's really important. It's, really it's the, the medicals. medicals and the interviews, which, yeah, those are important too, but uh, it is true that the testing is important. You want to look at the, uh, you know, it's not everything, but you want to look at the athletic profile. It can help you with analytical studies. It can help you put players into buckets where you can compare them into, hey, this is what a guy with this athletic profile, this is how many how they performed in the past. It can give you a distribution of outcomes, all those different types of things. If you're advanced, you know, you, you might have certain things you look at for each position with your team or scheme. So uh, it's not the be all end all. It's in, and certainly somebody could perform poorly there and perform better in another place. But I would agree with you that it's gone the other way. The other, the other one that's, that's gone the other way is sort of like with free agency where before it was like the team that signed everybody would get made fun of. And now it's kind of like, then it was like, well, you got to sit, you know, sit out free agency. None of these are going to work out anyway, but Mm -hmm. there really is a middle ground for a lot of these things. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, okay. Well, speaking of uh, the draft, the Eagles were awarded their uh, their comp picks yesterday. Zach, why don't you run them off for us? Yeah, so the Eagles received the compensatory picks as expected. Um, if here, <laughs> uh, and, we, and we'll credit uh, Jimmy Kemsky. He's, he's been all over that for a year. They, they have an extra third and two-fourths. Their 10 overall picks now are number 21 overall first round second round number 53 overall in the third round they have number 85 and number 103 overall in the fourth round they have number 127 number 145 and number 146 overall in the fifth round 166 and 168 overall that 168 that's from new england in the michael bennett trade and then the sixth round they have 190 overall uh and is that from the cyprian trade that's from atlanta is that from Trying to think what what I trade it is that from was from Cyprian, yeah, yeah, well, it was Duke Riley in a sixth, yeah. right? Yes, okay, yeah. Uh, right. So so uh, yeah, so so those are the Eagles' ten picks. And uh, of course, this means that uh, I, I have to apologize to Shield after all this time. It turns out that the Golden Tate trade was worth it. So what did they get for the Golden Tate trade? A fourth round pick. They got a, they got a fourth, fourth round pick. 
So they traded the second to a, last fourth round pick in the draft. So they the traded round. a third rounder in two thousand and nineteen. They traded last not, year's third not, round pick. A two, okay, so they traded away a two thousand nineteen third rounder for a twenty twenty fourth rounder. Yes. Now that yes, they only but, got because they cut Anderson Dayhill midseason. Oh well, that was that was also a win. So I think my uh, initial take was fine, and Tate won him a playoff game. Think of that moment everybody mm. will think of in uh, in Chicago when they beat the uh, when they beat the Bears. So yeah, yeah, history. Thank you. It's also not quite fair to say a third and a fourth because it was like the 88th overall pick versus the you know whatever it is, whatever this this. All right. Pick so is. how like, far down 145, did they move? 146. Eh, 145. That's crap, two rounds difference, basically. It's a, it's a crap shoot down there anyway. Come on. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, next up on the ledger of, uh, of Eagles news, the announcement of the return, the cyclic return, of Marty Morton-Hinweg as an offensive consultant. I was listening to a podcast yesterday um, with, from, uh, from Dave Zingaro and Ruben Frank, and they made the Jeez, same Marty Morton-Hinweg joke. And they made the same uh, Marty Mordenway <laughs> joke. They called him Morton Hinway. Just uh, so I think I think you guys are sharing material. Mm, I hope not. Uh, what do you guys think? An extra voice in the room. I don't think it's a big deal, honestly. From the guy from the guy who who was listening to a different <laughs> Eagles podcast yesterday, you, you you can't be bothered to talk about Marty Morningway. No, 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 I can't be bothered to talk about. Him. I'm <laughs> here. I'll put it this way: I I have read um, opinions on this that that suggest there are too many voices in the room, and look, he's he's or I've I received uh, questions from from readers about uh, they didn't like Marty's offense when he was the offensive coordinator. Marty's not installing the offense. I, you know, I, I think it's it, – I'm all for having as much insight, uh, as much information as you can in making decisions. And, in, 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 you know, there is the possibility of, of too many voices. I don't view it that way. He's, he's there in a consulting role. I don't think he, he's there in a, uh, in a role of significant power. Um, so I don't think it's a major deal other than another voice in the room. I think it, I think it's perfect, perfectly reasonable to question whether there are too many voices and to look at the big picture so? of what's happened this off season and to wonder if they had a plan or they just had sort of a list and all right we couldn't get this guy let's get this guy is there any cohesiveness to it now I I, I agree it's probably not a big deal I mean it's just um, somebody else and if you trust the people who you hire and. It can be a good thing, and I think it's a good thing to have people with different backgrounds and different areas of expertise, but it, it does come down to Doug Peterson, and can he take all of this information, and can he still sort of stick to his guns, and, you know, he is the head coach, what he believes in, what what he believes they should be doing, but, hey, this guy says we should do more of this, this guy says let's do more of that, this guy says let's attack this corner, this guy says let's do pre- more pre-snap motion. I mean, it is a lot of information. I just think it speaks to the sort of big picture uh, idea of this offseason that it really feels like the ownership group looked at what happened uh, not not the ownership group Jeffrey Lurie I don't know why I said that Um, Jeffrey Lurie looked at this last season and said I've given you Carson Wentz he's a franchise quarterback I don't expect to be you know what were they in passing DVOA 12th 16th whatever it ended up being I don't expect to be outside the top 10 in passing efficiency with this quarterback, that's going to be a problem. And so we need to make changes. I, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of how that's I valid. read it. That's how I read it. And so that could end up being fine. And that could end up being a good thing. And we're talking in December. Wow. Doug Peterson, his strength really is taking all these input from different coaches. And certainly we saw that during the Super Bowl year. But it does sort of take the right mix for that to work perfectly. And uh, there's at least the possibility that it's like, wait a minute, what is this offense going to look like? What is it supposed to look like? What's its identity? Um, And how is he able to kind of mix all this together into something that actually works? I I don't think that's unreasonable. No, but I also think it's I also have no objection to bringing him in. Um, I mean, it's a it's a it's an extra uh, different background. You know, Marty likes to be aggressive downfield. So if you want to mitigate the the idea that Scangarello was too conservative last year. I mean, it's mostly about, it's mostly to me about 
building the offense in the offseason, right? And then who knows what these guys, what Marty's going to actually be doing during the week. Uh, hopefully just getting in, in Doug's ear and being like, uh, throw the ball downfield, dude. Yeah, I, th- I think they could have just hired one guy to really just do that, and they didn't have to hire all these people. <laughs> mm. I think that could really fix a lot of the issues. To Shield's point, I, I think when you look at, at the amount of staff changes that occurred this offseason, uh, you can see where the front office thought the issue was. The issue mm. was the offensive side of the ball, and it's it seems, you know, that, I, I imagine— defensive line. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine there's some <laughs> ideas with the running game that that's being introduced, but a lot of changes on the, on the passing side of the ball. Uh, when you look at at obviously wide receivers, there the amount of people they've hired with a passing background. Um, so that that strikes me, and and that speaks to Shield's point from a big picture perspective. Even if you take the names out of this and you just look at the changes that were made, it's not like they looked at that secondary and were like, ooh, we need to bring in four consultants for the secondary. It's it, it's all about the offensive side of the ball right now. And I think yeah, that's it, the right read. And, and whatever percentage you want to – well, the other thing is whatever percentage you want to assign personnel and coaching, we will see how much they assign to the personnel in the weeks ahead with the moves that they make, but certainly it feels like a, a large percentage of what they perceive to be the problem was the coaching and what it did with the personnel. I don't know that that's the right read. Yeah, that's a fair point. So really, uh, okay. you could have you, you hired one coach who said, hey, let's do more play action. Let's move the pocket for wins and let's coach him to be aggressive. We'll get you some fast guys. Don't worry about that. It's solved. I can save you some money, Jeffrey. Maybe they maybe they're bringing in Marty to do the uh, weekly press conference. <laughs> maybe, I hope not. By the way, with all due respect to Marty. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, next up on the agenda, after uh, after this is the, this is the most important one. Shields' wallet has been saved after all the hand wringing. The Eagles announced that they are parting ways oh. with Jason Peters. Well, slow down there. They said for now. Yeah, I'm that's not true. A- I'm not running to get myself a Quattro Formaggio yet. He's not coming back. Okay. Well, well we I think if before, he was coming back, be true. I think if he was coming back, they they he he wouldn't hit free agency. That's I, I mean my guess is this decision's been made that there's a uh, a starting job out there for him elsewhere, and that the Eagles are transitioning to Andre Dillard. I have to say, this has been really bizarre, and I want to hear your guys' take on it. I read uh, what you wrote, but it, it does on The Athletic, but it really does feel like the organization was sort of willing, or I don't know if willing's the right word, but the message was out there that they weren't thrilled with how Andre Dillard handled things yes. last year, um, You know, whether it's uh, mentally, toughness, attitude, uh, coach. I mean, what, I, I don't know what the right word is. And, you know, we would have to, uh, I don't want to like say those things definitively without, um, you know, getting the people in charge of the decisions to go on the record with, with what it is. But certainly it felt like they were trying to get the message out there at the very least that they were not thrilled with how Dillard performed last year. And I don't know if it was whether to put some heat on him to let this Peters thing go a little bit. I don't know if it was whether they were taking their time deciding uh, but I do agree, Zach, you know, I, I'm doing this this piece that should go up on The Athletic later today, just matching all the free agents with uh, their new teams. And there is such a need at certain positions, and offensive tackle is one of them. Uh, I know you guys threw out some teams out there. It could be the Jets with Joe Douglas. That would make sense to me that, hey, get him for a year, get some younger tackles in there, but this is a guy who could help you with leadership and culture. I think the same can be said probably of the Browns. Andrew Barry is there. They need a left tackle. Uh, he, he could certainly help them a little bit. Washington will be looking for a left tackle when it trades Trent Williams. Bo, I know you said the Chargers uh, with Russell Okung being traded to the Panthers. So, like, those are four teams right there. And if you look at the left tackle market, there just are not a lot of options there in my top 100. So I do think there will be a team out there uh, who gives Jason Peters a deal and the Eagles will move on, but it's still been sort of a very bizarre couple months here uh, with the way they've handled it. Yeah, and I don't think that this is the case of like, um, we got this wrong, like this is this was the decision the Eagles were always going to make. Like, 
in terms of our reading of the situation. I think they really were on the fence about this, and I think I think that's uh, just as telling as the decision they actually made. Like I think everything we said about how ridiculous it would be to uh, even consider bringing Peters back when you trade up and use three picks to draft Andre Dillard still stands, and I think is uh, is still a fair criticism, even though they ended up making this decision. Well, let me ask you guys this. I'm I'm curious. This I I have no basis. So I, I, I don't know if, if, if this happened. I'm, I'm just curious if you think this is a possibility that, that they went to the combine, they had a number in mind that they were willing to bring Peters back on, and it was up to Peters' side to see if they can get a better number. And when they saw that a better number's out there, it, it, that's, that that's where this decision came from. Do you think so? In other words, do you think it was a binary decision on the Eagles' part, either he's back or he's not? Or do you think it was well? If we can get him back on on a discounted price, then let's do it. Well, so you would say. So you think? I mean, you're throwing out the possibility that they would have said, "Here's the number, but you will be our starting left tackle for next year." Yes, I don't know if that's the case. I'm. I mean, just when you right. look at the timeline of it, that that perhaps at the combine they came to the realization, or Peters came to the realization that there's going to be a market out there. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then I, I don't. How can you rule out one hundred percent that he won't be back? Because I, you know, you can have those discussions, but things happen, and you don't actually get the contract offer until next week. And what if it's closer than he thought to what the Eagles were offering, or uh, you know, not as much as a, a team initially said? I guess you usually have a, a pretty good sense of that stuff. So maybe you know, I'm, I'm over. Doing that part of it, I guess that's possible, and if so, that's concerning. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know where the grown-up was in the room who said, "Everybody, chill with this." Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. It's over. Look at what we did the last year. Uh, Andre Dillard, we're going to give him the resources and the support he needs to succeed, and that's the direction we're going in. Uh, you know, if that didn't happen, that to me is concerning. Well, because the reason I, I ask is because. And and not to read too much into their answers at, at combine press conferences, but the question could have easily been answered the way the Malcolm Jenkins question was answered. You know, yeah. That, uh, but it, the the fact that the it wasn't, perhaps it was sending a message to Dillard. Perhaps it was because they were sensitive about how to do this exit, or perhaps, like you mentioned, they didn't have their decision made yet. Although I was thinking this, can you remember Doug answering a question like that and not saying yes, I want the guy back? I really, I was no, I was trying to think about that. I'm, I know Zach, your memory will know yeah. if there is one, but I mean, he's the coach. He's not making the personnel decision, so really, there's almost no benefit unless he's worried about you know making it, making other people look bad. There's no benefit to him saying anything other than yes, I want this guy back. True. But even Howie's answer was different with Jason than it was with Malcolm. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, listen, if we are all going to be um, you know, quarantined under house arrest for the next couple of months, uh, Zach, I think that you have some uh, something to share with our listeners that could help them pass the time. That's one way of phrasing it. Uh, if you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe. Actually, on Are we average, in pandemic times or not. I think that, I, is, that changes uh, the calculus. Probably does, but on average, people have to wait around twenty-nine days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if doctors decide that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship you medication or can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, 
Go to GetRoman.com slash birds for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash birds for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Should we play a little Ask Dr. Kapadia? No, I don't think it's appropriate at this time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> with if you all, have any with all due advice. respect. If you no. have any general advice for... Uh, no, if it was... I, I, actually, I, I actually think that's kind of part of the problem is that Nobody knows where to turn to and what to believe. And, you know, there's just conflicting stuff all over the place. So uh, I know we're saying that in jest, but uh, I should probably save that for something else. Okay. I think that's, that's also probably fair. Um, uh, what, else, what else is there to talk about? Well, I you, you sent I'm interested. Out. Yeah, I'm yeah, interested in hearing about Shields. All the way through it. I'm interested in hearing about Shields Weekend in Boston. I kind of oh like, yeah, I forgot about that. Let's uh, let's talk I, about that. I, I kind of like Bo's idea to just call it, and uh, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs> well, we got a couple ads to read. We still. have two more ads to read. Ah, uh, uh, okay, all right. Well, then we got to continue. Um, it was it was good. It's not really a uh, like there's not a large NFL presence there. You know, it's really which is a probably of, a problem, right? Yeah, which is probably a problem. And I went one other time to this analytics conference in Boston, and I had the same sort of thought there. Uh, you know, there's a lot on basket, like the basketball conversations are all about big innovations and yeah. what we can do and the style of the game and that type of thing. I didn't sit in on any of like the hockey stuff, but I get the sense that's similar baseball. Of course, it was a lot, um, a lot about how can you sort of save the sport, uh, to be quite mm. honest, that uh, people really felt, uh, you know, like guys, Bill James and others who have been around for a long time really felt like it, it's going down this terrible path. And uh, there's something that needs to be done to save it, whether it's pace of play, rule changes, all those different, uh, different types of things. And, you know, there, there's stuff on some other sports, soccer, tennis, all those different things. Um, but I, I said it on most of the football stuff. Uh, there was a, a great sports Indian was the first presentation I sat in on uh, from Texas A&M. His name is uh, Kratik Malhotra. And uh, he is the analytics guy for Texas A&M, Jimbo mm. Fisher brought him over from Florida State where they work together. And he does a lot of stuff with like tracking data and film and putting it into sort of data sets that the coaches can use and understand. And, uh, you know, a lot of it's during practice, how are guys performing? And then he'll look at it, analyze it, take his findings to the coaches. They'll ask him questions, all those different types of things. So I, I thought that was uh, pretty cool. A lot of the tracking stuff, it seems to me, the biggest impact will be it can be really like t time savers for the coaches, whether it's quality control coaches mm. or whoever's, you know, charting the last hey, three games of our opponent, four games of our opponent. Uh, some of this tracking data, it feels like it can help you get a uh, handle on what the team's done the entire year and you can use your resources a little bit more efficiently. So I thought that was pretty interesting. The, uh, uh, panel the, that, <laughs> the, the panel that the the panel that that Eagles Vice President Al Gal that Eagles Vice President Al Calby was on. Um I was I was watching that on the live stream. You were there in person. What'd you make? It it, it was kind of a murderer's row there with uh Mike Leach and Brian Burke. What'd you think of that panel? Well, Mike Leach had the highest usage rate of any panelist. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to deny that the guy is entertaining. And certainly, you know, it, it can be fun to hear his theories and hear him talk. I just, uh, you know, whoever was putting the panel together, I would not, if, if you're doing a football analytics panel, he really yeah. did not need to be on there. I mean, Alec Hallaby, uh, the Eagles, um, what's his official title? Vice President Vice of President. Football Strategy and, okay. and something. Football Strategy and... What's, I think that's what's precisely the other? it, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. I, th I mean, I thought he did a good job. He's very comfortable, um, you know, in that setting and speaking, and he made good points. But, it, I mean, he, they all, you know, he, Mina Kimes, and Brian Burke really had to sort of navigate navigate around what Mike Leach yep. was saying because Mina would ask one question and Mike Leach would talk about talk for 20 minutes and make the same points over and over. And it was pretty clear early on that he's not very – analytically inclined you know he was talking about the importance of 
hand size. And, you know, he Jeez. said sometimes when he's making a fourth down decisions in his head, he'll be going, well, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? And then he calls a timeout. <laughs> and, and Brian Burke, who's, you know, one of like the football analytics godfathers, was, was trying to be polite, but he's like, you really shouldn't do that. Like <laughs> that, that's not a smart, uh, that's not a smart way to go through the process. Um, so, you know, that uh, one way that he framed it, which maybe is the way to frame it for offensive minded football coaches is that Leach said, when I kick a field goal, I feel like a half failure. And when I punt, I feel like a full failure. So mm-hmm. uh, I feel like you don't need to take the data to some of these guys, just like frame it that way. And they'll be like, okay, we will go for it. Uh, we will go for it more on fourth down. I, I think one of the big picture topics that it, it seems like whether it's analytics people or coaches really uh, or personnel people are really trying to drill down on is kind of like where can players where can you actually get a player to improve you know like what can be taught is it a quarterback's accuracy i think a lot of people say no that's not the case i I think we talked about this when i ripped the clayton thorson pick a couple years ago that if Mm -hmm. if a guy's not accurate in college it's really hard to think that he's going to go to the nfl where it's harder and become more accurate, you know, that would be like my number one rule really for drafting quarterbacks. Uh, so I thought that was interesting, but you know, like a wide receiver who had, who drops a lot of passes, how much can that be improved? Can it be improved? Uh, our running backs vision, can that be improved? So I think you could take a lot of these sort of uh, skill sets and see how you graded the players in college, see how they turned out in the pros and come up with some working theories for what you can improve, what you can improve. And I think that would probably help you uh, with the draft process. I felt uh, badly for, for Mina Kimes on, on, on that panel because she was asking the questions, and she was asking, she was asking good questions. And Mike Leach would just kind of take it in, in whichever direction he wanted to go. But there was, and I don't want to belittle this because perhaps I'm we find out that uh, down the line that that, <laughs> oh that there's validity to this. But Mike Leach was hung up on the possibility that the size of your eyes could be of benefit, and then uh, it I seemed like tell Alex, he was jo- I think he was joking there. <laughs> was he joking? <laughs> okay, I, yeah, because he kept coming I mean, back I, to it. Well, yeah, here's I, the I thing think about that... Mike Leach is you can never tell if he's serious or not, and he's just such a kooky character. And isn't it funny that this guy's a head football coach? And oh man, it's just like baking a cake. You put it in the flour, and then you got the sugar. But you know what? Where's the baking soda? What's going on over here? <laughs> All right, I'm in on that. Let's well, uh, talk about I'm in on Gordon. that character. <laughs> let's uh, let's keep that a recurring one. Uh, and and then he was he was really impressed that Alec knew his quarterbacks at Texas Tech. Yeah, I did think there was like a dis. There was definitely a disrespect there because he would make comments like, "These guys really know what you know." Anyone in football knows about them. Yeah. I don't really know them that well, but he was <laughs> he, he was trying to like say that a lot. But it was clear yeah. that like that wasn't the case. And yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, I, I thought Alec did a really good job, and it would have been a really great panel with Mina Kimes, Alec Halaby, Brian Burke. Like those are right. people. I, I would love to hear them talk for like two, three hours on football analytics. And I didn't think Alec was like guarded. You know, like, I, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it felt like he was ready to go there and discuss some of these things. Yes. And he got got in his points when he could. And I mean, Brian Burke was even like less involved. You know, he, yes. he could he, he talked on a different panel, which was really good with uh, Dominique Foxworth, who played for Coach Flynn when Coach Flynn was a GA mm. at Maryland. So that's a nice connection there. Coach Flynn said he was great at the time. And uh, I was really impressed with him. I thought he was outstanding. Um, so basically, you know, they have all the NFL tracking data. ESPN has an agreement where they have access to that. And so Brian Burke's analytics team, Brian Burke's yeah, analytics team is sort of in charge of figuring out what to do with this stuff. And so they're trying to come up ways to categorize coverages and past concepts and all these different things based on the tracking data. And like Dominique Foxworth has been totally open to it and supportive of him and is helping him. Hey, hey, this is what it should look like in cover three. Hey, this is what it should look like in Tampa two. And they're like working through that, which is, uh, you know, uh, that is interesting to me. Like if we were able to by week eight, know, hey, Carson Wentz, when, uh, you know, opponents are playing uh, cover three against the Eagles, 
this percentage of snaps. And here's how the Eagles expected points added against that coverage compares to the rest of the league. That type of stuff is really useful. I, I mean, I think, I, I don't know if it's useful. I'm guessing it would be useful to coaches, but just as sort of a media type or a fan or an observer or someone doing analysis, uh, that would be great to get that information. And like, that was the one time where I thought, all right, they are making progress. Like if we could put people like this in charge, um, that would certainly be really helpful. So, uh, you know, that's one I, I don't, are these available online, Zach? How do you, how can, yes, they are. Them? Okay. Yeah. If, if you go to, if you go on YouTube and there's a channel for the Sloan sports conference, you, you can, you can watch them there. Okay. And, uh, that, there's, yeah. yeah, there's a good archive there. Now in, in the past you had to pay a subscription fee uh, this year, I don't believe there was a there was a, I I didn't pay a, a subscription fee, so I don't believe there were, there was one this year. Okay, but yeah, if you wanted to watch one, I would say the uh, Brian Burke Dominique Foxworth one was uh, was really good. You know who uh, could really use that uh, deep insight if the, to those football analytics? Who's that? Betters. Mm. I know that's right, and you know uh, all week. We're going to be hearing win and you're in, which means it is conference tournament time. Who's going to be representing your favorite conference in March Mania? Well, we'll know by Sunday. But what I know right now is DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, can get you in on all the college hoops action. As the madness begins, DraftKings Sportsbook has great promos and odds boosts happening all week. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TOSS for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code TOSS and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only. At DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, that's the end of the ad read. Now, my take on this is... Uh, the, Martin, the tournament and sort of college basketball does not have the same appeal to me as it did when I was younger, but it is a great event. What can save it is throwing a little lettuce uh, on the games. And really the next few months are a tremendous time. If you're thinking of checking this out between college hoops and the NBA playoffs, those are uh, some of my favorite, uh, favorite events to throw a little lettuce on. And we're all going to be watching them from home anyway. I don't, well, that's right. Hmm. Let's uh, let's hope. Well, I I was gonna say let's hope they still occur. Uh, we don't know what that yeah, process is gonna be I like, or, or or where they're going to be. Yeah. So it's it's. Uh, I I don't know. I I mean I'm hoping that it doesn't reach a point where it can't happen. But certainly, hmm. um, <laughs> I, I don't have a strong take on this. One way or the yeah, other. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair, but also it's not it's not that important, right? <laughs> Uh, anyway, no, uh, but I thought... no, it's it's now the the thing too, and and I, I mean I I agree with you, big picture, it's not that important, but 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 even if you take away kind of the the games itself, there there are entire industries, um, you know, whether it's the it's the gig economy, whether it's people working concessions, there's entire there. Sure. Yeah, you know, there are people who who rely on, on these big events, hotels in the area, things like that. So um, it's, <laughs> it 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 stretches well beyond. Uh, you know, I I I keep hearing sure. about you know kind of the greed of owners per se, and and I don't think it's it's entirely that. There's there's a whole industry that kind of revolves around games being played. So obviously, safety comes first and health comes first. But I think it's. It's to use Shield's favorite word, these are nuanced decisions. Mm. Now you know why fair. he's got such good market picks. Mm. <laughs> uh, one thing that I thought that um, Halaby said that was interesting, which I think we've talked about before, but just like one of the challenges um, of uh, football analytics is like it's so hard to uh, 
to know what a player is being asked to do, like especially on defense, right? Yes. Like um, there are like, you know, he, he could be, he, he can look like the fool, but it turns out that uh, he was doing exactly what he was being taught to do. Yeah, that's true. And that did come up multiple times. Like they showed a play with the tracking data and then they asked uh, like the audience, who do you think was at fault? But if like one, you know, if one player really screws it up, then it's harder to see the coverage because you're like, wait, why is that guy there? But he mm-hmm. might not be screwing it up. I think I forget who the player was, uh, but Dominique Foxworth was basically saying that when he was the corner, you know, there was a wide receiver. I don't know if it was Randy Moss. I, I'm getting like my timelines mixed up, so that could be wrong, but whatever. There was a really good wide receiver on the other team, and it was basically like if you're unsure, if he gets past, you know, eight yards, whatever, like abandon responsibilities and <laughs> like just like cling on to that guy. If somebody else makes a catch, that's okay. So, yeah, there is certainly a lot of that stuff, and I think it speaks to sort of the bigger idea of like, I was asking people about this, like you almost need a translator in some of these situations where you, you know, need like, Jason Kelsey. Well, yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> you need to like, like, Bo, we went to the, uh, what, Zach, you, were you at the big data bowl? I forget. In, uh, yes, that, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so we all saw that and you sit in that room and like, I'm sitting in that room picturing like an NFL coach in here, their head's going to explode. And, oh, yeah. you know, I didn't follow everything. I'm not saying like, oh, I, you know, wow, I knew exactly what was going on. But you had, um, you know, they were from, uh, do you remember what countries they were from, the guys who won? Oh, uh, Austria. Austria, was this it? This was Austria. one of the best moments yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, they didn't know anything about football. Like, they were telling you they didn't know what a wide receiver was. But they came up with this great model, and they won the this sort of data analytics contest there. Um, and so you need somebody who really understands both ends of it, who can talk to the coaches and talk personnel and coverages and route concepts and blocking schemes. And that person can also be proficient when they're talking to the analytics people who are trying to explain things to them and uh, sort of the meshing of those two areas. And there's certainly some coaches who obviously understand it and it wouldn't be necessary maybe it's someone on your coaching staff who can explain it to everybody else i don't know but sort of that translation that communication to me feels like the biggest hurdle in some of these things uh you know being used more or actually being impactful or effective uh the other the funny part of the uh presentation from the austrians was um when they showed a slide of how much uh just how much they donkey want the competition like yeah, the difference between first and second place was the same as like second and 24th or something like that. It was yes. a real nice uh, just flop of a flex out of them. And it really felt like they didn't mean to, <laughs> but like, you know, they were, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so that made it even better. Yeah, it was very good. Um, well, uh, speaking of uh, fun occasions, the Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo, for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Quote, Go elsewhere. This place is terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. End quote. Quote, we felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. End quote. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code Birds. That's theblacktux.com code birds for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. 
I have used the black tux as a uh, groomsman at a wedding before. It worked out very well. Very. I think we chose the right ad reads today, Zach with Roman, me with, Dra- <laughs> me with DraftKings, and you with black tux. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, tomorrow night, we're going to do our uh, free agency quackatology preview as we decide which single free agent the Eagles are likeliest to sign when uh, the bell opens on Wednesday, if it does. Remind me how this works, because you said like you said it, and then I said something like as if we know what that is, and you thought I was joking where I was not. You know, like most of these games, I don't know how this works. So give me the rules now, because as we know, you like to sort of make the rules vague, and then we do the game, and then if we lose, you know, we lose, it's usually because we didn't understand the rules. So uh, it sounds like it's going to be a big free agency preview, for what the Eagles might do, but how does it work? Quackatology is actually as straightforward a game as we have. We, we are working in conjunction. We are not pitted against each other, and it is a 64-player uh, oh. bracket uh, and that we whittle down to uh, one player who the Eagles are likeliest to sign after uh, they make it through the tournament. It's perfect for, uh, for March. So you come up with the 64 names, and then we'll each vote on each matchup, and whoever wins the majority, they move on. Is that it? Correct. So we finished about midnight on Thursday night, correct? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but what I, you have uh, to keep in mind is the first round takes uh, is more matchups than the rest of the rounds combined. Gotcha. And this is a way to discuss all the pl- uh, 64 players as potential Eagles candidates. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. I gave the Eagles, uh, I don't know if you want to get into this now. Oh, yeah. Not. Let's hear what you did. Well, why don't you guess? So I gave the Eagles, I didn't like yeah. who I gave, I didn't like what I did with the Eagles. Uh, How but many I did you g- give them? I gave the Eagles three of the top 100 free agents. Do you want to, uh, you each get to guess three, and uh, we'll see who's the winner. A little, uh, little random game here. If you want to, mm. if you're by a computer and want to pull up my top 100 free agents to get a look, I, I think you probably, uh, you know, are familiar with names who you think the Eagles could sign. So you don't need to. Uh, well, do I'm that putting out a uh, a mock uh, Eagles free agency big board. Okay. Tomorrow, so I'm going to look at that and see uh, what makes the most sense to me as the three. Well, how does that work? Give, how does a mock free agency big board work? Oh, it's just like it's by position, and then there's like a top of the market target, secondary target, monitor in case the price falls, and then plan okay. B's, plan C's, and cheap depth. Oh, wow. So seems the, like, the seems th- like a nice quick read. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a graphic. It's really the graphic is what you need to look at. I don't know, really know if you need any. Uh, Oh, you've been loving this new. We got this new tool for the athletic where you can use like nice, uh, I nice looking tables it's and graphs. It's too wide to to, to oh, use that wide. tool, I think. But you've already used that. They look great. I need to use that. Oh, I didn't use that for that thing. Oh, you didn't use it? No, oh, I I I, 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 I wasted like three hours making that graphic myself. Oh, yeah. we had a whole thing on how you could use this tool, but okay. Yeah, but it doesn't <laughs> do that. I think that kid doesn't do that. It was a good session. You could. <laughs> The uh, session was good. The tool is great, but for the, for my ridiculous purposes. But you purposes, chose not to use it. <laughs> uh, I am going with Byron Jones, Brashad Perriman, and Nick Whitecap. Whoa, uh, Nick whoa, White- whoa, 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 whoa. You're Nick going White- all three at once? Yeah, he already did it, so you it's, can. Oh, sorry. But, yeah, well, okay. I mean, it's, it's not a draft. You can pick the uh, same those ones. Are, those yeah. are some chalk choices. Gosh. You, you can uh, do what you need to, Bob. All right. Let me think about this then. I'm going to say I'm going to agree on Brashad Perryman. I'm going to say Trey Waynes and uh, also Nick Kwiatkowski. Wait, so you got Perryman, Waynes, and Kwiatkowski? Is that it? Yeah. The Berminators. I, I, I had Jones in there, and, and, and so basically Zach so really had just, Byron Jones, and you yeah. had Trey Wayne's. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's Byron Jones. The Berminator. Were the, were those the three? No, that was you oh. only got one. Yeah, oh. you both got one. So All right. uh, I had uh, Byron Jones. Let me look. They're not. This isn't great. So feel free. Yeah. I know. I don't <laughs> have to encourage you to make fun of me, but uh, I know you will anyway. Yeah, this is I, like, oh, who can guess what bad decisions I made? <laughs> well, that's a that's a good game in my life. <laughs> uh, all right, so I had Byron Jones, Shelby Harris. 
Who really? Is a, okay. Who is a defensive tackle, was with the Broncos last year. Uh, he had six sacks. He batted down nine passes at the line of scrimmage. I think if they need some defensive tackle depth, if they're I've looking... i got him for... as a secondary target. Okay, so I, I don't think he's going to break the bank. I think he might be 29 years old, I want to say. But he might dent it. Uh, and so I gave him I, that. I gave them him. And then I gave them Devondre Campbell. Ooh, yeah, oh, bad choice. I like that one. The linebacker from the Falcons. Obviously, the Eagles need linebacker help. They're thin there. Uh, he started 54 games with the Falcons. Mark and Manuel. He's, he's pretty thick, as far as I remember. That uh, will get a high grade from me. What that will a high grade from th- me. What does that mean? He's pretty thick. That means he's like well built. Okay. You said they're thin. I said he's thick. Okay. Uh, he had a career high 129 tackles last year. We know that once you get outside the top of the market for off-ball linebackers, these the other guys don't generally get uh, huge deals. So I don't think he's going to cost you a lot. You know, he can play. Uh, I think he's best suited probably at the will linebacker spot uh, in a 4-3. That's where he played for the Falcons, and that's where he could potentially play for the Eagles. All right. There's, t- we'll see oh, if he oh, makes oh, it out oh, of the sorry, first round tomorrow. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was I was going to bring up a uh, a different topic that I was I was curious your guys' opinions on, but so 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 you can the answer is uh, the answer is I'm drinking an apple bubbly, which is the first <laughs> time I've had this one. It's actually uh, not bad. Very heavy on the apple flavor. Well, what I thought from this exercise, it really stood out how terrible the wide receiver market is. We know it's yeah, terrible, it's gross. but like that is the need where, you know, at the end I went through and I looked at every team's needs and I said, what did I fill? What did I not fill? And the most common one that I did not fill was wide receiver. And well, I, that... think I think it's probably smart to stay out of that market. I mean, Robbie Anderson for like, you know, $12 million a year. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, even Brashad Perriman, you guys mentioned, like, yeah, if you can, if the if the price is right, sure, I really like him, but that would make me nervous paying him a lot of money. I mean, these other guys, you have Emmanuel Sanders is probably going to go to like a veteran team ready to compete. You got guys like Devin Funches, Nelson Aguilar. It's a really bad market, and I, I also did the piece on guys who could get traded. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah. That was the, yeah, that's where I was going. Oh, that's where go you're going to go. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, go where, on. That's where there are some uh, some very uh, tasty names out there. I definitely find. number twenty one. Number twenty one is the if if so. I have it in front of me here. Okay, was there a reason for that order? By the way, no, it was to, yeah. there was no reason for it. I should have come <laughs> yeah. up with like a I should have come up with something, but it was like twelve thirty at night, and I was tired of doing it. <laughs> and I said this. I'm, I'm saying how many players there are, so I guess I should put yeah. a number next to their name. And so here it is. So I was I was thrilled that that she'll put this list together because I think when we talk about the offseason changes, uh, we probably don't pay enough attention to trades, which we know how Roseman's aggressive in that market. But you never really know who could be traded, and that's why this list came in handy. And number twenty one from our Texans writer Aaron Reese is Will Four, and uh, and the knock on Will Four is that he gets injured, so perhaps that's a concern. But when you talk about you know, game-breaking speed. When you talk about a difference maker downfield, 26 years old, by the way, from Philadelphia, um, that would be – and and as as Aaron Reese pointed out, Houston does not have many draft picks, so, so they're in need of draft capital. That would be a fascinating name if, if he is, in fact, available via trade. Well, anytime you can get a guy who's always injured and needs a great yeah. medical staff to nurse him. To, yeah, uh... I mean, we're, what we keep talking about, this team keeps bringing in guys with injured histories. Like, they're going to trade for Will Fuller? You know what would be interesting there, Zach? I think instead of a draft pick, is there is there a deal that could be worked out with, like, a they need cornerback help badly. Is there a deal that That's could be point. worked out with a... Uh, you know, a Sidney Jones for a Will Fuller with, uh, you know, you throw in maybe a uh, qualifying uh, pick or something based on Fuller's performance. I don't know. Maybe I'm an offensive thinking. assistant. Well, I don't think Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien will say no immediately if, yeah, that's right. your, uh, if that's your offer. But uh, I don't know. I looked at that list and it did feel, you know, there are teams that just you can tell want to get rid of some of these players. And it feels like 
there are opportunities for, hey, here's my underachieving player. Give me your underachieving player. We're going to cut them both anyway, and let's see what happens. I, I don't think Fuller, um, you know, qualifies for that category, but um, let's say the Eagles don't get kind of that vertical threat in the draft or free agency, and the uh, the Texans draft a wide receiver, but they're thin at cornerback. Maybe that's one that could, uh, I don't know, after the draft or something. Hmm. Hmm. Just throwing it yeah, out there. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, uh, the other right. the the other areas okay. where teams really offensive line teams really you know which I, I can't believe the Eagles couldn't get anything for Vitae when I was looking at this. I mean, t like so many teams need tackle or guard help. Wide receiver was the other one, and then uh, edge rusher was was the other one where it felt like those three spots. Uh, are where the demand is greater than the supply. And it's very strange to look at a market where quarterback, it feels like the supply outweighs the demand. It's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Do you have any uh, offbeat predictions for the quarterbacks, either of you? Uh, I have. I had Jameis Winston going to the Steelers. Mm, nice. Probably like not going to happen, but you know what? Took a flyer. I mean, I, I suppose it really all depends on Brady. That's not a controversial opinion. Are you guys of the opinion that he's going back to New England and he's just making them sweat? Or do you think he'll be in Vegas? Or do you think he'll be in Los Angeles? I think he's going back to the Patriots. I think so, too. Okay. But, yeah. Maybe he is just trying to make them a poor man's Daniel Hunter. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I like that, Josh Sweat. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... I wouldn't say I liked it. <laughs> yeah, don't uh, do that. Yeah, I mean, I think that if if you, if you the dominoes start falling, so let's say he goes to the Raiders, and then let's say David Carr is traded to the Bears, um, and then who goes to New England? Is that Andy Dalton? Is that Marcus Mariota? Um, you know, does... Mr. Biscuit. Does, does, does Mariota end up in Los Angeles? Uh I like Mariota still. I, I still think that a creative coach uh, can get a lot out of him. Um, and uh, and I actually I really like Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Titans, so I shouldn't just say he hasn't had creative coaching in Tennessee. Uh, but I think for a, a change of scenery type, um, I'm real intrigued by what Mariota's market's going to be. Mm. I don't love a Mariota. I think he probably is not very good. But is he better than Nate Sudfeld? Yes. Hmm. You guys find yourself just like astounded at how often you feel like touching your face during the day? I haven't thought about that. To be honest with you. No, I don't. I don't feel. I, I I would say my eyes more. Yeah. I often find I have an itchy eye. Yeah, when I, I just get need, some gunk out of the eye, but you know, or just sure. like something with the eyelash, I want to you know mm-hmm. do, but. Um, yeah, no, not the face necessarily. I've tried, I try not to touch the face too much. What about the nose? Uh, yeah, I tell you, yeah, like right now, you just like said that itch I have on a, the nose. Yeah. I have a, I have a tip of the nose itch. Yeah. Not, a, not, a, not a pick an itch. Scratch. No, yeah, yeah, let's get, let's get so, that straight. So, where do you stand on on the greetings? You know, are you doing fist oh. pound? Are you doing elbow? Um, you know, I, I find myself still inclined to kind of reach my hand out for a handshake, and then I pull it back. Um, so, uh, what's, what's your methodology there? Well, I've well, been, avo- I, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I've, I have, I've been avoiding handshakes. However, um, tough, uh, precarious situation, uh, yesterday we had a, uh, a grisly incident with our, uh, our garage door. Like it's, you know, it's one of these South Philly garage things where it's, there's no overhang, but there's just a door in an alley and, uh, it, it stopped working midway. And turned out that a uh, an unfortunate squirrel, oh gosh, got caught up in it and uh, broke the motor, and uh, that was the end of the squirrel. And we needed to we needed to get it fixed. And so there's a guy coming to like, you know, we've got a contractor coming. They did a great job, and this guy's like coming he's coming to save our lives here. But he he comes out for the handshake. I can't turn down that handshake. So I gave now him. Now he earned it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Our, my our garage just did a stop midway yesterday too. Really? Oh, what are and the does odds? it still working or? Uh, it worked the next time, so yeah. Hopefully, oh, okay. there's nothing in there. Uh, at this conference, I got the elbow, I got the fist pound, I got the handshake, and I got a hug. 
Ooh. Yeah. I, don't, I know you, you didn't like the hug. No, I don't mind the hug. Mm. Interesting. So, it goes against everything. I, I generally go in for the, I, I generally will go in for the bro hug, but mm. uh, after Do like you? Every, okay. after every interaction, I was uh, well, yeah, basically just mm. watching those bad boys. If I had any downtime, I got the sanitizer in I the actually, bag, that kind of thing. I actually like the elbow. That was Brian Burke, the analytics I don't, guy. I don't mind the elbow. I, I, I kind of like the elbow. Uh, nothing, there was nothing wrong with the elbow. Yeah. But then I, we... I, I got to say, as as someone who, you know, I, I've always kind of... Well, I was taught to give a firm handshake, you know, eye contact. I wouldn't mind... I wouldn't mind a, a post-handshake culture here, you know? like I'm I, okay with I, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it can be uniform. You know, like, if, if you see someone, if you can just wave or... Acknowledge, you know, nod your head. I don't think we. And when I say post handshake, same thing with with hugging and fist pounding. I I don't think we need all of that anymore. Yeah, I'm yeah, with I you. Think I'm, it is ready a bit, can- bit I'm ready much. to cancel the handshake. I would agree with that. Okay. All right. I feel well, like I had something else, but now I forgot it. I feel like we've we've made progress here. We've 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 come to some decisions that are going to help everybody. <laughs> it's going to alter society. <laughs> this turned out to be a, this turned out to be a worthwhile endeavor after all. <laughs> so uh, we'll all be right. back for 4 hours tomorrow night. It sounds yeah, like Yes, we'll be back for 4 hours tomorrow night. The uh the selection show and then the full tournament uh plays out in Quackatology tomorrow night. But uh, that'll do it for this episode for Zach and Shield. I'm Bo, and as always, we love you. Words with friends.